0: Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and received support from the California Cattle Council. We created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families and cattle country. In this episode, we meet up with Tim Kern in Satley, California, which is just a few miles north of SierraVille, which is about 40 miles due west as a crow flies from Reno, Nevada. The Kerns own and operate Circle Ranch, an outfit based in Ion, California, about a three-hour drive from Satley. Some of the ranchers we visit, primarily the ones in coastal areas, are able to keep their cows on property year-round due to a forgivable Mediterranean climate. But I'd say the majority of ranchers we visit have to move their animals seasonally to greener pastures. Quite literally. We're over 40 ranches in with this podcast, and I realize we never truly touch on what makes cattle so unique. It's their guts, or their digestive system to be exact. You might recall a presentation at your elementary school where they had a living cow with holes in the side of it where you could reach in and and field their innards. Maybe you were in the FFA. So I'll, I'll try to keep this under a minute. Cows are ruminants. Other ruminants include goats, sheep, llama, deer, and giraffes. Basically, if you see a vegetarian animal that's chewing all the time, it's likely a ruminant. Ruminants are capable of something that's remarkable. They can exclusively live on only eating forage. If you were in a dire survival situation and tried to survive on eating grass, you wouldn't last very long, as our guts aren't capable of digesting forage. The interesting thing, though, is that cow stomachs aren't able to digest it either. Ruminous possess a stomach with four compartments. They all have sciency names, but I don't think a glossary is necessary for this exercise. Plus, I've only got a minute. The first compartment, which is the largest, uses microbes to break down plant material through fermentation. Any existing solid material at this point is sent back up to the esophagus, as cud or a bolus for the cow to chew on, which is then sent through the same process over and over again. Once the solid material is thoroughly broken down and filtered, it will arrive at its final stop in a traditional stomach like ours, which utilizes stomach acid for more typical digestion. Then it's off to the intestines and, you know, onto the pasture. The reason I mention this is because cattle need a lot of food for this process. If you have a chance to visit a ranch, you'll often notice the cows are spread out. In fact, in my first few ranch tours, I barely saw a cow, given the amount of area they have access to. Ideally, ranchers would love to have the appropriate amount of homegrown forage for their animals. If they knew the exact amount of food that they would have available, they would be able to have the appropriate amount of cows to eat it. Unfortunately, it's not that simple, not even remotely. Mother Nature can often throw a wrench into the works. In a dry year, the availability of forage could come up short, necessitating that ranchers sell animals, buy in hay, or move the animals somewhere else. This brings us back to Tim and Satley. We first joined them in a small cafe in nearby Sierraville for breakfast and then traveled a few miles north to offload a truck full of cows from How my own into the Sierra Valley.
1: Good How are you good. Good nice to see you, you. Hi yeah, right, come in okay <laughs>
0: This year, Northern California has experienced above-average precipitation and milder temperatures. In previous years, cattle would be moved to this mountain valley earlier in the season. There are actually still patches of snow on the mountains surrounding the valley. Listen as we tour Tim Sierra Valley outposts and unload 33 cows, reaching greener pastures. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country.
1: Well, I've been in the cattle business basically my whole life. I had cattle raising bottle cows from the time I was 11 years old and just slowly but surely uh, started raising a few cows, mother cows, and uh, has just grown from there. Uh, today, my wife and I uh, own Circle Ranch in Ione, California, with our two sons. Uh, my wife is Jill, and our two sons are Austin and Taylor. They're both active on the ranch. Uh, we have a... Uh, our winter, our winter range is down around the Ione area. We own some land there, and we lease several ranches in the area. Uh, in the summertime, we do summer some cows there on our irrigated pasture. And in the winter or in the summertime, we also come up uh, to Sierra Valley. That's where we are right now. Uh, we're about five thousand feet elevation, and we'll send some cows up here for the summer. These the cows that come up here typically arrive mid-May to early June, and and we stay here until late fall or, or until the, s- the snow comes, the snow finally drives us out, which is typically sometime late November, maybe even early December.
0: As far as moving
1: the cows back and forth, how are they transported up here? We, we load them on cattle trucks and uh, the cows we brought up uh, today and yesterday, we put about 35 cows on a truck. That's the legal load limit. Uh, if the cattle uh, transport very well, they're used to being hauled. They load easily. Typically these cows realize when they're getting on a truck, they're going to another place that's greener pastures and they're they're more than willing to, to make the ride. For this drive up here for a truck, it's closer to four hours. I can make it in three hours in a car, but it's four hours for a truck. They have to, have to move a little bit slower. In Sierra Valley, like on this ranch here, it's all irrigated meadows. So it's it's just prime grazing ground for cattle for the summer months. The winter months, you can't stay here. Uh, there's It's just too cold and there's too much snow. You can stay. some. Some ranchers will stay if they have to and and keep the cows here for the winter, but it's typically just just really good grazing for the summer months. And then our ranch in Ione, it works so well with it because that's where the cows can graze in the winter months. That's our growing season down there. We have green grass from usually from November till late May, which matches up perfectly. when, When the grass dries up down around Ione, it's late May, it's time to come up here. So the cows are on green grass virtually 12 months out of the year. Typically,
0: when we talk to ranchers, it's typically a cow-calf operation. Idea being is that they have cows that that have calves and uh, those calves are raised to a certain weight and then they're sold. Your operation differs a little bit in that you primarily focus on selling bulls. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: We do sell cattle traditionally at the way you just described also. We will wean some, you know, wean calves off their, their mothers and they will go to a traditional feedlot situation and they'll go for meat for the supermarkets. But our, our main business is we sell bulls. And we'll wean these bull calves off their mothers, oh, in mid-March, and we'll grow them on a little faster pace. And we have our bull sale in September. And that's when other cattlemen from around the area come in and buy their, their bulls from us to, to, to breed their cows.
0: I know that Angus really seemed to have a really good marketing program for a long time to where there's a restaurant called Black Angus. You know, it's like it's a kind of beef that people uh, relate to. I see so many ranchers and
1: there's always, they're always, Angus is always in the name. Well, the reason why we like a composite of two different breeds is you harness the power of heterosis. Just about every meat animal that there is, is a composite of two or three different breeds. Every hog that there is, is, a, is has a, a composite line of two or three or maybe even four different breeds. Chickens are the same way. Corn, soybeans, everything's crossbred. And so we harness the power of, of crossbreeding. Some producers prefer to keep their cattle straight bred, straight Angus or straight Hereford, whatever. But there's a large uh, percentage of them that like uh, a crossbred animal. A crossbred animal will live longer, they're a little more hardy if we can get one extra year out of a cow which is typically a crossbred cow will produce one more calf in her lifetime we feel that's that's worth it the simmental cattle tend to be higher yielding cattle as far as their meat there's there's uh, they still marble well but they don't marble as well as an angus they're more of a meat animal and so the combination of the two breeds they complement each other very well angus contributes some maternal traits which simmental does also but But angus mostly contributes some of the the higher end marbling genetics and the cemental will bring in the more the, the red red meat yield and the combination of the two works really well for us
0: are there logistical issues with having a bunch of bulls on your property
1: yeah no that's definitely a challenge uh most bull producers and we did for years and years send their bulls out to a commercial feed yard to grow them out to get them ready for sale uh, and get them get them ready for uh, another cattleman to use. We grow our bulls out on our own ranch, in bigger pens. They're filled with oak trees, and and they're, they're large pens, five, six, seven acres. But even in spite of that, yes, bulls tend to be more destructive. You know, they they're tough on. Uh, you know, they will dig holes. They're they're ready to go out and breed cows, and they're anxious, and they'll dig holes, and they're fighting with each other. It's not a the, the fighting isn't a huge problem, but just Having that many bulls in the, on your ranch uh, for several months at a time is, is a challenge.
0: Wrangling them or like managing, moving them from pen to pen, are they more difficult or do they kind of just behave like the, the female cows do?
1: No, for the most part, they, they behave fine. If we have any, any bulls that have a disposition problem, they're cold and they're gone. We only keep the bulls that are, that are not going to be an issue for anyone that buys them.
0: I've always been fascinated with bull sales and looking at because we'll get those catalogs. and it's just page upon page of a picture of an animal with uh, some sort of metrics on the bottom, which make little to no sense to me. And I know that you said that you do you know video shoots for years, like to show how they move and things. what What do people look for? Um, I mean, if you were to go buy a bull, what what is it exactly you're looking for? Are those metrics more important than how it looks, or is the cow how the bull looks and how it moves more important than the numbers below?
1: First you have to buy the bull that that looks the part according to how you want that animal to look and how he's gonna fit in your operation. So that's that's the the visual side of it. He has to have that part. Then beyond that, then you start looking into the numbers. Is this bull gonna increase my cowherds marbling? Is it this bull gonna increase my the milk and his daughters. It depends kind of what your goals are. There's a number for every trait to be examined. And like I say, every every producer is a little bit different. Uh, You would think that you want your offspring from these bulls to be as as heavy a weaning weight as possible. Well, that's true to a point. If you have too heavy weaning weights, pretty soon your cow herd starts to become too large and they're not as functional out on the rangeland. We have to make sure we keep our cow size down So these cows can continue to function out on the open range. They're not raised in confinement like like hogs and chickens are. They have to live a long, healthy life out on the range.
0: What are all the processes that they have to go through to determine their fitness?
1: First of all, when the the animal's born, all our calves, when they're born, we take a birth weight and we document who who the mother is. The next step is when that animal is weaned away from its mother, which is about seven or eight months of age, we take another weight. That's their weaning weight about a year of age, we take another weight. That's a yearling weight. So you have those three weights that you take, those three measurements. And along with that, we collect DNA on every animal. And via DNA, they can predict with probably 30 to 40% accuracy on these young animals, young unproven animals, uh, how well their offspring will marble, how large a ribeye area they will have. They will predict uh, how well the the daughters will milk. Also disposition, just about every trait that is important. Every economically relevant trait we can enhance through DNA. Do you travel to a sale, or do people come to you to pick up the animals? No, they, no, they come to our ranch every year. It's in, in the fourth Thursday in September. We have a bull sale. We have a partner in the bull sale, Bruin Ranch, in Auburn, California. They they sell strictly Angus bulls, and we sell Sim Angus bulls. All the bulls are on display at our ranch on sale day, and we have about eight different pens of bulls. And all the buyers will walk through each pen looking for the bulls that. That they need and when the sale starts we already have a pre-made video of each animal and when lot one comes up for sale there's a video of lot one and they start the auction and when lot one sells the video comes up of lot two and that animal sells and we go right through we'll sell usually around 200 bulls a year is it all on a single day all on a day yeah no we can go through 170 to 200 bulls in about two and a half or three hours
0: those animals typically leave that day
1: about half of them leave about we we offer a discount if you pick up your bull sale day of a hundred dollars and a lot of ranchers if if a guy buys five bulls he can save five hundred dollars by picking them up that day and the rest of them oh we usually we deliver over the next two or three weeks
0: Yesterday in here in Sierra Valley, you know, you're moving the the animals from Ione to here to greener pastures. What's going to be the process at noon today when the when the next truck arrives?
1: Well, the second truck will come and now that we have two loads of cattle here, we'll we'll put them in a specific pasture where they'll graze for a few days and we rotate these cattle around. They don't stay in one pasture for very long. They ro- we rotate around. You know, just like mowing your lawn. You know, you mow your lawn and a week later it's ready to be mowed again. But if you, uh, if you mow it too short, you know, or if you don't water it, you know, it's not gonna grow very well. So it's, it's basically the same concept. But, uh, so these cows arrive here now. We'll bring another four or five truckloads up here over the next week or so. These cows will start having their calves in late July. And again, as I stated earlier, as each calf is born, we'll give that calf its, its individual ID that'll stay with it for life. We'll document who the mother is, take a birth weight of the calf, We'll also take that opportunity to score the mother's udder quality and we'll give her a score for that. That's about it here until we get to uh, breeding time and that's usually late October and we'll artificially inseminate all these cows here on this ranch and our other ranches between October 20th and the 24th.
0: When they they do have their calves, you have no way of knowing the sex of of the animal that's coming out, is that right? I mean, is it 50-50? Female to male kind of ratio,
1: or it varies a little, but typically it's it's fifty fifty males to females. In our site, on our operation, where we're, we're uh, retaining bulls to sell to other ranchers, we will keep about of the male calves. Probably about sixty percent are good enough to keep as bulls. They have to be high high quality animals. So about sixty percent will be bulls. The other forty percent will become steers. And on the on the heifers, it's the same thing. On the females, we'll keep about. 25, 30% as replacements, because every year we have older cows that leave the herd or a cow that did not become pregnant. She leaves the herd and these younger females have to come in and replace them.
0: How do you determine like the fitness of an animal? Cause you said that you keep uh, 60% of them at that point. Is it just by looking at them or by who produced them? Like who the, who the sire was or the, who you know,
1: genetics. Um, the biggest part is always weight. They have to weigh enough to be a you know, a, a candidate to be a breeding bull for someone else as far as their weaning weight, weaning weight and yearling weight. And birth weight is important too. You don't want too high a birth weight. If, if the birth weights are too high, we, we kind of cut them off at 100 pounds. If the birth weights that are over 100 pounds, we have a few of those, they become steers. We don't keep them because we don't want to take a chance of selling an animal to a bull to a producer that's maybe going to have his cows will have calving problems because of heavy birth weights. On that subject, too, we also have another line of bulls that we will sell strictly to producers that want to breed uh, their first calf heifers. Their females are going to breed for the first time, and you want to make sure they have a very small calf their first time. So we have a, a separate group of bulls that we sell to producers that are just looking for those type of bulls.
0: I want to thank you for meeting me on short notice and let me come out and, and bother you on, on, a, on a beautiful s- uh, Saturday.
1: All right. Thanks for having me.
0: If you'd like to see visuals from our travels, you can visit our website at calcattlecouncil.org or follow us on Instagram at CalCattleCountry. We love feedback. If there's anything you'd like to hear on stories from California cattle country, you can contact me directly at at ryanatcalcattle.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks.